Welcome to the Halloween Half Hour with Christopher Ripley, Boston White, and me, the Spooky Voice Guy. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to another episode of your favourite spooky podcast, the Halloween Half Hour. I am, as ever, Christopher Ripley, and I am never, ever let out of the crypt alone. I am... As always, joined by my friend and companion, Boston White, aka Amanda. How the devil are you? Good evening. I'm so good. I'm still buzzing from our Super Zero guest announcement on the last episode. Oh, I know. I know. And we've had even we've had another super secret production meeting where we know who the guest after that is going to be. Which I died. You, you lost your shizzle. Yeah, you lost your shizzle as as ever. <laughs> Every time that we get anyone new for an interview, I'm just like, wow. Like, I know I said last time, I'm like our podcast biggest fan, and it's not even a lie. I 100% am. Like, I think that's everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So we are now broadcast uh, on Patreon. So hello to our new Patreons. Thank you for subscribing. I hope you're enjoying the show. We've got lots of great content coming up and coming in future episodes as well. But tonight we are discussing, we've got some news and rumours as always. We've got the rest of that fascinating interview with Michael Berriman. Will he finish cooking his pot roast? We will find out at the end of that interview. And then we've got a great discussion topic about, Amanda, do you want to introduce what our discussion topic is about? Yeah, so I was just perusing Twitter earlier today. And one of the lovely ladies I follow sassy sledgehammer post an interesting question that piqued my interest and it was do we think that the films that we regard as horror classics now if they were released today would they still hold that kind of hype about them and i was like interesting yeah yeah very interesting we've chosen each five different films each of us doesn't know what the other five are and we're going to uh discuss those to see whether they would be indeed made today or if not Mm. so before we get into all of that amanda we've got to go to some news it's time for the news and all the gory details and I just want to do some breaking news very quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when this podcast will be out, so this information may be completely useless, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're recording this on the 26th Wednesday of August, and at the moment it's been sort of rumoured online that the vinyls that were released today, the Midnight Syndicate vinyls, special limited edition Halloween Horror Nights version that were released today in the HHN Tribute Store have sold out. That's the rumour. The fact of the matter is only 400 were put on the shelves. There's 100 gone missing. So there are 100 floating around. Now, I have it on very good authority from a friend of mine who works in merch services, a.k.a. the website where you can order stuff. You can phone them and place orders. They don't actually have everything on the website. So if you phone them earlier today, you could purchase one of those albums and 30 of them have been purchased. That leaves 70, Amanda. There are 70 albums floating around backstage at Universal Orlando. 
I don't know what's going to happen with them, but one would suggest that they're probably going to sell them at some point. Hmm. That's weird. So I don't know if these are just going to be for team members only or if they're going to put them on the shelf tomorrow or next week. The problem was that there was 500 done and originally the people in that team wanted to go with 3,000, but for some reason someone higher up the food chain said, don't be silly, we'll never sell 3,000 of these albums. So that's why only 500 were specially commissioned, and they're all individually numbered. So, Mm -hmm. mm. The rush. So, yeah, hopefully. Today, every single person was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, on my way now. And I'm like, geez. Yeah. I think they were the 400 that were on the shelves. I think they all went by around lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I finished work, so UK time, like 6 p.m., like there was a notification on Twitter saying that there wasn't any more available in the store. So, wow. No. But we should also just touch on, before we get into the actual news, um, how glorious the tribute store looks this year. Oh, it looks stunning. You know what it reminds me of? So since they've opened mm. this third secret room, and um, well, the third and fourth all rooms, um, remember that I love scary movies experience that was in LA last year? Oh, yeah. It yeah. reminds me of that, and I feel like that's what they've kind of taken inspiration from, is that people freaking love a photo art. Yeah, yeah. Very Instagrammable for the gram. I'm so jealous. Today, I tweeted saying, I just want to be in the Beatles room. And so many people have (laughs) tweeted it and liked it. And I'm like, I'm glad you guys feel the same. (laughs) But I'm thousands of miles away. (laughs) Well, this is it. You know, Halloween Horror Nights is a true international event. So, you know, there are so many fans who, who aren't just locals. And it is only the locals, really. Let's be honest, you know, there's not that many people I don't think flying into a Florida at the moment. Um, it is mostly the locals that are managing to get into this place. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. And all the all the pictures and all the updates that I've been seeing, I tried to not watch any, like, vlogs of it because I was too jealous. But I watched um, Vincent Vision a few days ago. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. I watched View from the Cheap Seats. To, um, oh yeah, Kyle. When they did the Beatles room, so I'm um, 100 million percent the most jealous girl in the whole world right now. <laughs> it is a very, very, very good year for that tribute store. I remember when they first started doing them. Um, maybe was it 15? I think um, when they used the shop that was in um, the Twister attraction, yeah. um, and that was incredibly decorated you know with old props and things and you know and it's just sort of grown from from there on really um i mean if i were them i'd probably keep it in the park all year round why not yeah 100 percent. you know what though i was kind of expecting that the third room was going to be a passageway that would lead you to the beetlejuice house <laughs> mm. Mm. there was some rumors i mean i i I haven't heard this as fact from anyone, but there was some rumours that they were contemplating opening up the Beetlejuice house. But, you know, I haven't heard that from any official channels. I think that was just speculation, really. But that would have been sort of fun if they'd, had, if they'd done that, I think. 
it seems like such a shame because obviously you know they they put these houses up like months in advance and they're building them all through the year and it just seems such a shame that they'd have to tear them all down yeah when the event would have been starting and i feel like it would have been nice to have like a socially distanced daytime attraction but that would have just made me a whole other level of, of jealous (laughs) <laughs> majorly jelly and of course obviously talking of jelly this year they've also they've obviously got the food element which is quite interesting i don't know if how that would have played out if it had actually been halloween horror nights because you know food is quite a popular thing so that that's quite interesting of all those different sort of cakes and jellies and oh they all uh, look you know like different hot. different treats mm. That little jelly heart, though, blew my mind because it's basically like a, a jello heart that beats. Yeah. But how does it beat? Yeah. That's the scientific answer. I, well, I don't want to ruin the magic, but someone told me they've got little puffs of air underneath that make it move. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, going over to the news, there's not a lot going on at the moment, but uh, what have you got for us? So I'm sticking with theme parks for this week's news. <laughs> Good, yeah. So, last week on Twitter, again, my fave mm-hmm. social media platform, that's where we learn all the info, um, Bush Gardens came out and said that Howler Scream is still going ahead this year. I know, that is very interesting. It blew my mind. And I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it, honestly. I feel like I was very much... Well, in the lead up to kind of Halloween Horror Nights getting cancelled, I was like selfishly, I guess, being like, well, if I can't fly over, nobody should be able to experience it. (laughs) (laughs) The fact of the matter is it's a dangerous time. And I I don't think that scare acting is the safest thing to be doing in a pandemic. But I guess that means that people have an event to go to. I just don't know how they're going to be able to pull it off. And I just, I, I just worry about the safety of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is there was always a friendly rivalry between the two events, particularly back in the old days when they were both pretty similar in size. I mean, you know, Halloween Horror started off very humbly uh, like that event did. And there was much more competition between the two. And the reason why they used to, many years ago have this sort of marketing build-up was not for any sort of grand reason to try and build anticipation or people's interest in the event the reason why they used to keep all their cards close to their chest until the very very end i mean i'm talking you know august early september before they released what all the houses were was because howlo scream had apparently a reputation of how can i put this politely um not so much stealing their ideas, but they put it this way, the designers back then of Universal and of the Hallow Scream knew each other very well. A lot of them had trained together. A lot of them socialized together, etc. So a lot of stuff got leaked between them. And there were years where Hallow Scream houses were very, very similar <laughs> to ones that Halloween Horror Nights was doing. So the reason for the marketing to have that delay on it was because of Hello Scream. It wasn't for any other reason. So 
it kind of made me feel as though we were back to the old days that Universal was sort of holding out until they really had to, to make the decision about canceling Halloween Horror Nights. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, Halo Scream go, oh, actually, we're not going to cancel. We're going to run our event. And it did make me feel like, did they wait Halo Scream to see what the move was from Universal? And then because Universal said, oh, we're not doing it, they thought, oh, we'll definitely do ours then to try and capitalise on the market. Yeah, imagine if they were like, hey, guys, Beetlejuice at Halo Scream this year. (laughs) (laughs) Haunted of Hill House. Bet you didn't see that one coming. (laughs) I don't know. It just seems wild to me. Like, I know um, my favourite UK Haunter attraction, Passage Dog Terror, opened back up here a few weeks ago. And I think that mm-hmm. was the first UK haunt to open back up. And they have gone like hardcore with the socially distancing, like they're only letting like household groups or groups that come together go through, whereas usually it's like pulls people through in groups of maybe like 10. Um, all the scare actors wear masks, everything's distanced. And that's fine because that's a very small attraction. I just don't know how that would work in somewhere like Bush Gardens. I know that they're not doing houses, though. They're just doing scare zones. Yeah. So I guess that makes it a little bit easier. But how I just I just don't know. I just don't know how it's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know how it's going to work. No, I've seen also that new one in Florida. Is it called Scream? Scream and Scream? Yeah, this this sort of like drive throughy type ones cropping up, isn't there? Yeah, like that sounds cool. They've been all over social media. I haven't looked too much into it yet, just because I was like, well, I'm not going to go anyway. So, but I feel like quite a few scare actors that would usually work at Universal. And a lot of seasonal team members have been kind of like liking and sharing posts. So I don't know whether they're going to go and work over there. Yeah. That seems to be what's happening. Yeah. That sounds cool, though. I don't really know how that would work either. But <laughs> I guess nobody yeah. other than the people organising knows how how things are going to play out right now. I guess we felt the same way kind of when like Universal and Disney World opened back up and we were like, how's this going to work? Well, the proof would be in the pudding when it does reopen and people go and then sort of judge it for themselves really mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see what they charge for people to go and it's just scare zones i'm on the website now oh right okay so one a buy early and save ticket for howler scream for one night mm-hmm. is 29.99 so the rides will be open yeah and it'll be those and scare zones yeah it just says Capacity is limited, doesn't say where it's limited to, reservations required, and it's Friday, Saturday, and Sundays from September 25th to November the 1st. Hmm. And face coverings are required. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I guess that's standard at the theme parks. Yeah. I mean, I, I take my hat off to the people that are in Florida at the moment and going about their daily business, you know, wearing masks because we live over here and the climate is generally a lot cooler and the humidity is, is you know, very, very, you know, much, much lower. And I, I, even I struggle to wear masks over here. So with that humidity and, and the temperatures, you know, I just, it just must be really difficult for them. Yeah. I kind of feel as though 
I don't really know. It. I'm not judging anyone who does. People are grown adults. They can do whatever they want to do as long as they're doing it safely and being considerate of others. I just don't know if I would be down for hanging out in a theme park in the heat and a mask. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say don't wear a mask. Like I'm, I am pro mask, a hundred percent mask. But just kind of what I'm trying to say is, I guess I don't think I'm doing anything that wasn't essential. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's my take on it as well. But then I also understand that you know the parks are losing a lot of money, and yeah, I know they've closed down. Um, for the foreseeable future, a few of the attractions like Fast and Furious and A Day in the Park with Barney. Um, I'm sure there's a few others I don't remember off the top of my head, but that's, I guess, saving money. But then on the flip side, I saw that Universal were doing, if you buy a one-day ticket, you get, was it like three or four months for free? Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, hmm. I guess they're kind of counting on people spending money in the park, but from what we would have discussed on our podcast that we used to do together about Universal and Disney on Universal After Dark and Dis After Dark, was yeah. it tends to be that locals are not the ones that are spending money in the park. Yeah, statistically, that's what, I mean, Disney, that's what Disney reckons for sure. So I, I don't know what the thought process is behind that, but I guess they know what they're doing. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. You look at the news about Disney, I'm not sure they do. Because <laughs> no. Universal, according to the news reports yesterday, uh, Universal is um, doing much better on attendance now than what Disney was doing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Universal is smashing it. I mean, I mean, you don't obviously want crowds, don't get me wrong, but apparently Universal are, managed to, are managing to um, attract many more people than Disney. I mean, today, for example, Rise of the Resistance was uh, a 20-minute wait. You know, and Universal, obviously, they've shut a few of their rides down, you know. So it's just interesting that uh, for some unknown reason, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but there is anecdotal evidence with the press saying that more people are going Universal. So I don't know. What's what's the situation with um, people staying at Disney resorts? Because I know that Universal have kind of shut down Sapphire Falls and I want to say Portofino Bay. Yeah. And then yeah. everyone over to Hard Rock and Royal Pacific. I might have mixed up Portofino Bay and Royal Pacific. Um, what and then the... At Disney or no? Well, their Surfside, I don't think they've ever, even actually ever opened that one. Mm. the brand new one but no in terms of disney apparently all of the dvcs are open and some of the other resorts are as well but not all of them and then of course some of them being used for the nba games so mm. like grand Floridian, you know half of it is all fenced off theme park life as well right now yeah it's a very strange time i mean it's weird for me as well because i live all the way down the southeast in kent and dover is very close to me and the disney magic has been parked up in dover for uh well months and um i was talking to a friend of mine today and disney uh uh, decided to uh, use this time wisely and do some refurbishments on their cruise ship and um he said that uh the, the staff are all going a bit like the shining 
<laughs> because then they're not allowed to leave the ship. Oh wow! Because of COVID, you know, they're, they're basically treating the situation like as if they had like a neurovirus outbreak, for example. They have like a, a strict protocol they have to follow, and they've been following it for months. So there are people stuck on these cruise ships that can't get off, and they want to use this time wisely to do some upgrades and some refurbishments to the magic. I, mean, I don't know about the other the other ships. I'm just, this is the one that's in Dover and the crews that have got to go on there to do it. They then ha- themselves have to stay on this ship for a, a certain length of time, even though it may only take like a couple of weeks to do the actual repairs and upgrades. They may have to stay on there a lot longer to sort of, um, you know, they've got to stay in their stateroom for like two weeks before they can do the work sort of thing. So that they then are stuck. Once you start on the ship, you never leave the ship. Well, this is it. I mean, Dover as well, the, the cruise terminal is a big um, train station. So like, uh, I think it was the sister train station to um, uh, London, Victoria, I think it is. It, it's used in loads of films. Like, for example, the latest Disney Winnie the Pooh live action film was filmed. There. So it, it's a big train station, but there's no trains. It's not used anymore as a train station. It just was a big Victorian train station. Anyway, when you go down there, it is like The Shining because you're in this huge massive building and there's no one there wow so you've got you've got like a mile or more probably more than a mile maybe two miles between you and the next humans and all you can hear are the waves it's the spookiest most hauntedest place i've ever been to (laughs) that would drive me insane yeah yeah it would do because there's just no one there no nobody it's it's so strange you know and then you're stuck on this cruise ship as well which makes it even more isolating if if one of the crew members goes mad and decides to kill all the other crew members you'll know why (laughs) you know shining three maybe (laughs) dover edition yeah anyway talking of sequels there is news that has appeared um this week online that we are getting another i say another this will be, I think it's number six. This will be another sequel to Tremors. Very interesting. I did not. Well, I knew there was quite a few. I didn't know they were up to, oh, hang on a minute. Is it six or is it seven? Got me thinking now. No, seven. This is the seventh. Wow. This is the seventh film in the franchise. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's basically set on an island and apparently it's straight to DVD and... Oh. Uh, which is strange they say that straight to DVD. I mean, who buys DVDs? I know. Is it going to go um, like Shudder or anything on Netflix? Uh, probably. I bet it'd be on Amazon or whatever. And uh, apparently the, the the creatures get into the ocean. Huh. So is this going to so, be a sequel to the original or is it going to be a retelling or is this going to be a sequel to one of the sequels? Well, I think all of them, bar the one that's a prequel, which is set in like the Western time, I think. I think all of them are sequels. This is definitely a sequel. Hmm. But yeah, so if you if you go online, Shrieker Island, it's called, number seven. It comes out uh, October 20th. Just in time for Halloween, I like it. Yeah. Anyway, that's all of the news. We need to get to our Michael Berryman interview one of the greatest living horror character actors that we have with us today 
And we left off, I believe, speaking about the dog from The Hills Have Eyes. Yes, let's bust some myths with Michael Berryman. The Halloween Half Hour Special Guest Interview. Michael, uh, we like to debunk some myths on this show and um, one that, uh, sort of an urban legend that's gone around for a long time, we wanted to ask you, the the dead dog in the film, was that actually a dog? Yes, it was. Gosh. Now, now uh, I will tell you exactly how this came, came, out, came about. Mm-hmm. We had wrapped the film and I was in, uh, I, was in uh, I think I was living in Big Bear in the mountains at that time. Don't spirit away. To listen to the rest of this hauntingly good show, head to patreon.com forward slash the Halloween half hour. You won't want to miss a single bite.